0: Gary Parish, Sunday, March 14, 2021. It's Selection Sunday. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black mat. Norlanda is here with me, and we have a bracket. It includes 68 teams. I've been on TV talking about it for three hours. Deadleg has been on HQ talking about it for roughly three hours. Now we're here to talk about it together for the first time, and I want to start. Right at the top, and then we'll just go, honestly, wherever it goes. The four number one seeds are Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan in that order. Dead leg. Did the selection committee get that right, and did they get it in the right order?
1: They got it in the right order. I don't really have too many issues at all with it. To be honest, that was the order it should have been in. Illinois wins the Big Ten tournament title. I just got to say, like, it just felt phenomenal to get this, Parrish. Like, were you like me? Were you basking? Were you basking on that set? What were you doing was, at six o'clock? What
0: was I doing at six o'clock? I was reading a rundown, I, like trying to prepare for a three-hour television show. Like I, I'm always like stressed, you know. Like oh, yeah. like like I have this weird thing where I am constantly worried that I I'm not prepared enough, and and I always I never. I'm always fine. It's always fine. But I'm a over-preparer, and so I was obviously enjoying the selection show. My God, we missed this last year. And now we got Greg Govlin. He's like, Gonzaga's the number one overall seed. And then we're going through the brackets. And because we got to the show a little late, because that stupid Big Ten tournament game <laughs> went to overtime, you know, some sort of uh, inside information, the selection show had to be out. At seven o'clock, it, like they had a hard out. Yeah. Freaking Grammys were coming on, so they had a hard out. If that would have went to double overtime, we'd have had a forty-minute selection show. If it went to triple t- overtime, we'd have had a twenty-five minute. So as we're, if you if it felt like man, they're really running through this thing. It's because they were really running through this thing. So the teams were flying off the board pretty quickly, but it was a beautiful thing. Like the first time when my friend Andy Toolan came over to me and he said, "GP." Do you want a it out bracket? I said, "Give me that thing, Tulan. Let me stare at it for a minute." It was a good day,
1: man. I got to say. So, um, when so I did the, I had a blast. I, you know, I hope some listeners uh, found time to tune into HQ. Obviously, big CBS is where everyone was. But what we did was we came on, I talked, and then we went to the CBS feed on HQ as the bracket was revealing. So I was able. I didn't have to talk in real time. I was actually able to watch, kind of react in real time. My mic was off, and 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 be able to tweet my thoughts in real time. And it just, you know, at the top of this podcast, I just wanted to say it felt phenomenal to get this back. The overtime was absurd. They they should make a rule that that's the only time a game can end in a tie the entire season. It's the only time. The Big Ten tournament title game should have the ability to end in a tie so we don't run over like that. But, man, it just was... It just felt it felt amazing here. So I'm so thrilled we finally have a bracket again. We're going to get into plenty of details. Just a heads up, by the way, if you did not see my tweet on this and you're listening to this late on Sunday or early on Monday – we got plenty coming for you. We're gonna go, we're gonna go freewheeling on this one and have a bunch of fun. And then later on Monday, Monday afternoon, we're gonna drop four region podcasts. East, west, midwest, south. Each one go. That's gonna be where we're gonna, you know, really dig into the matchups, make our picks, and talk that kind of stuff. So you will not be short on GP and I overall. That's my diatribe. I got no issues with the ones. They're in the right order. Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, Michigan. That's how it should be. And and we'll see how many wind up getting to the final four.
0: I don't think anybody had the four number one seeds any different than what they were. Like like of all the bracketologists, like I I didn't check, but like if you didn't have these four as your number one, stop being a bracketologist. This was this was very easy. I could quibble with the order. I could make an argument that Illinois should have been the second number one seed based on the fact that, you know, there's 17 and 6 in the first two quadrants. You know, Baylor is is only 10 and 2 in the first two quarters. Now, four fewer losses, but like seven fewer wins. Um, Illinois's got four more Q1 wins. Baylor's just 4 and 2 in its past six. Illinois is 14 and 1 in its past 15. They had more Big Ten wins than anybody, won the Big Ten tournament. So I could make an argument for Illinois over Baylor. But either way, the four number one seeds are exactly who they should have been. And do you think anything could have happened on Sunday that
1: would have changed it? No, and I maintain that on HQ multiple times. I think I said on this podcast, I thought that even if Iowa won the Big Ten tournament, that it wasn't going to be one seed. And I'm only empowered by that more after seeing... What did and didn't change? And this is nothing new. I'm not, Which is not to say nothing could have changed. In fact, I believe Mitch Barnhart said on a teleconference that had LSU won against Alabama, it was going to the 7 line instead of the 8. So they apparently made some room for that. But when that, when that Ohio State-Illinois game was going to overtime, I was like, this doesn't matter. This is not going to affect where these teams are in the bracket. I promise you, there's no shot. This result has any impact whatsoever, and it didn't.
0: Right. And So the one seeds are Gonzaga, baylor illinois and michigan as pretty much everybody predicted and then you get into the rest of the bracket and obviously a big point of discussion every selection sunday including this selection sunday is the snubs like who was lucky to get in and who got screwed we're going to get into that next but first let me tell you about a bracket challenge game we've got going on we've got the on college basketball bracket challenge have you signed up yet you should it's at cbsports.com slash ion brackets at cbsports.com slash on brackets and the winner i'm told gets a prize what's the prize I have no idea. That's not in my notes, but it's it's a prize for sure. And, like, who doesn't like surprises? So it's a surprise prize. Who doesn't like entering multiple brackets? So go enter our bracket challenge, and then you can also create a group to compete against friends and fill out your bracket for the chance to win a Nissan Rogue and a trip to the 2022 Final Four. Go get registered. You can play on the CBS Sports app or at cbsports.com slash I on brackets. That's cbsports.com, I on Brackets, okay, dead leg. So the one seed, seeds are set, and then everybody watches the brackets unfold. And immediately, folks are complaining: either this team got snugged, or this team got lucky. Somebody's not seated right. So let me start right there. Well, first, let me ask you this: mm-hmm. Did you do a bracket? I did a bracket.
1: Like predict beforehand? Yes. No shot. I wanted to, but I didn't have time to to get all that done. I didn't because I, I, did, I wanted I, to, but I
0: didn't. I did one. I did one. You want to ask me how I did? I don't actually. I know, but I, that was me
1: begging you. Begging so, you to ask me no, how I'm, I did. I will not ask you. You're going to have to just simply uh, step to the door and uh, and drop it off yourself.
0: I'm going to ask myself then. GP, how did you do with your bracket? Thanks for asking, GP. I got 67 of 68. 67 of 68. So
1: you didn't get all of them. Okay. I didn't
0: get I wanted to get all of
1: them. You are the UMass Lowell of Bracket Forecasters. Didn't win so the American close. East title. Not so not good
0: close, enough. so close. So happy for John Gallagher. Sixty-seven of sixty-eight. Um, and I would not I, at the end, at the very end, I was debating between Utah State and Wichita State. Like which one do I put in? And I was going back and forth. I was like, Well, they're not really gonna make the Mountain West a one bid league. And then I was like, Well, they're not really gonna make the AAC a one bid league but i had to make one of them i took wichita state out i put utah state in turns out uh didn't matter because both (laughs) of those teams were in my miss was i think a lot of people's miss i had louisville in and wichita state out and of course louisville is out and wichita state is in but 67 to 68 that ain't too bad and for all these bracketologists who put all that work into it i did that in 12 minutes I did that in twelve minutes. It's, but mean? that's
1: not just how you you gotta. How how many seed lines did you hit? See, that's where the accuracy really comes to play. You yeah, get, people,
0: if somebody wants to go look and judge it, they can. I didn't have time for that. I've been talking on TV for three
1: fair, hours. Fair enough. Louisville did. You know what? I like a good curveball. I also like, and this is going to be, this is like half serious criticism, half uh, jocularity here. Let's let's crush these fools. Okay. Two years we've been away. We're gonna we're gonna chop the legs off the selection committee because there's some confusing stuff. All right. I'm
0: not interested in amputating Mitch Barnhart. Are you, are you suggesting Mitch Barnhart amputated from the waist? I I was
1: speaking metaphorically here. Like like that Metallica video. You just turned Mitch Barnhart into a Metallica video. Oh boy. Louisville 56 in the net. 37. I can't remember anything. 56 in the net. 37 in KPI. Thirty, It's going to get weird, folks. Just get used to it. 37th in KPI, 36th in strength of record, and then the predictives were not good. 60th in BPI, 54th in Ken Palm there. Very few people did not have Louisville in the field, and the ones that all had Louisville in the field, I didn't know if I saw hardly anyone have them even in the first four. So this was a surprise. When we got to that final portion of the bracket before, I guess, we saw UCLA was in against Michigan State, I... I think I was just saying on HQ to no one in particular, I was like, UCLA is not going to be in. They're going to be the one that's out.
0: Well, let me. it became very clear. You tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, yeah. I was watching it. It became obvious at some point, either UCLA or Louisville's not getting in.
1: It was, it, you know what, though? It was UCLA, Louisville, and then a small, small part of me was like, Maryland has the most losses, and we still haven't seen them yet. But I, I put that at like 10%. But yes, it got to that point. I was like, are we going to see Maryland here? And we did, and they're in, as they should be comfortably on the 10 line. But yes, it, it became... It became clear that a big boy was going to get left out. And that
0: big boy was obviously Louisville. Do you think that's right or no? Do you think they should have been?
1: One and six in quad one. No that's quad a problem. No quad two losses and, a, and one quad three loss. Also wasn't helped by the fact that, and this was not consistent across the board. I was curious about this. Was game inventory going to play a role? Not really. I mean, Louisville only got 20 games in, so it didn't have that opportunity or or as many opportunities as other teams. Whereas, you know, like Syracuse gets in with ease and, you know, the Orange played 23 games. Um, Clemson got in fairly comfortably, as it always was going to. They're just, you know, St. Louis didn't get in and it didn't play a lot of games. Louisville didn't get in and it didn't play a lot of games, but Ole Miss didn't get in and it played a lot of games, too. How about this, though? Syracuse and Louisville, they were not next to each other. They weren't weren't close. But they were supposed to play each other twice this season. And both times their games got postponed and inevitably canceled because COVID positive issues surfaced the day of the game. If they had played even once and Louisville had defeated Syracuse, I'm telling you right now, even that one game, we already know it. it Louisville is the first team out. They beat Syracuse. They'd have to. They'd be in. So that's that's the only snub. Colorado State doesn't really have too strong of a case. At the end of the day, GP, when we look at you know the one, two, three, four, Louisville, Colorado State slew and Old Miss in that order as the replacement team slash the one seeds in the NIT. Although Louisville is not going to the NIT, uh, it has opted out. As has Golden Gate. Mike, by the way, no shock there. Um, I, I just the the bubble cut line was fairly clear like you know it came down to was it going to be louisville wichita state utah state those you know those teams kind of right there
0: i don't every year it's every year it's the same like i yeah we we count it down and it's it's fun to do i get it but on, on on the afternoon of selection sunday this is always what we're doing in my mind we've got seven teams for three spots Figure yeah. it out. Take a guess. It really, that's what it is. Take a guess. How you want to? How you want to do your last two or three teams? That's we agree on sixty
1: four or sixty five teams. I'd say sixty six even. And this felt really tight this year. And so I don't have. I, honestly, I have I have some gripes with some seedings that we can get to in a little bit. But in terms of snubs, like yeah, I like I'm sure. I'm sure Chris Mack's not gonna be uh not gonna be too happy here. Um, and I understand that, but it is the first replacement team, and we'll get into the details with all that too, because we're you know Kansas for Virginia have some interesting situations. Virginia even more so. So who knows? We could be talking. Mean, we could be talking in a day, and suddenly you know if Virginia knock on wood, you know if it couldn't if it couldn't play, Louisville's gonna get this opportunity. So it has to sit and wait for for 24 hours. But I mean. You know, I don't think it's some outrage there. I have just issues with seating. Like, I just can't believe Syracuse isn't even in the first four. What? It was one and seven in quad one, six and one in quad two, six and one in quad three. I just, I, I, I'm not just only comparing those because they are power programs in the same conference. Just profile-wise, they just seem very similar to me. Now, the metrics on the whole benefit Syracuse more than Louisville GP, but I don't know. For the most part, I don't snubbing, I don't really have an issue with. I was more with a few seating issues. You think Chris Mack
0: is upset enough to make an iPhone video? Because that would be tremendous.
1: I was thinking about that. Do we have that coming? I don't know. I'd love to see one if that's the case. But he might be waiting a good 48 hours before they you know before they know for sure whether or not they're going. Here's my rule on this.
0: Um, I don't feel sorry for power conference teams that get left out. You had opportunities. There is no power conference team that's ever been on the wrong side of the bubble on Selection Sunday that didn't have opportunities. Evidence being Louisville went 1-6 in Quadrant 1. Like, you, know, you, you did this to yourself. That said, I think Louisville should have been in the field. I think Louisville should have been in the field over Wichita State. You know, I'll just run you through it real quick. Uh, Wichita State's two and three in quadrant one, two and one in quadrant two, so four and four in the first two quadrants with a quad three loss. Louisville's one and six in quadrant one, six and zero oh in quadrant two, so seven and six in the first two quadrants with one quadrant three loss. So seven and six in the first two, as opposed to four and four in the first two and they both got one Quadrant 3 loss. Wichita State, I acknowledge, has one more Quadrant 1 win than Louisville, but Louisville is higher in the net, Kempom, BPI, Sagarin, and strength of record. Mm. The Cardinals are above five hundred in the first two quadrants. Wichita State is not. The Cardinals have three more wins in the first two quadrants. They both have that quad 3 loss. I think if you are comparing the team I had out, and honestly, this is how I – I went through this afternoon, and I took all the bubble teams – And I broke down their resumes. And in my mind, Louisville clearly has a better – Louisville has a flawed resume, but a superior resume to Wichita State. But again, not going to feel sorry for them. The teams I feel sorry for are if Drake gets left out. I feel sorry for them because they don't have the opportunities. And, of course, their injuries and all that stuff. I feel sorry for mid-majors, low-majors who get left out with incredible records because sometimes they just didn't have the opportunities. I don't feel sorry for power conference teams that get left out. You played seven games inside Quadrant One. You had plenty of opportunities. You didn't get it done, so it is what it is. So, I, but but if I had to redo the bracket, I'd have Louisville in it.
1: Wichita State is seventy fourth in Ken Palm. Louisville is uh, significantly higher. Uh, just within the realm of within the realm of those two specific teams, the Cardinals are fifty fourth. Wichita State was the regular. Here is you know. I was having a text conversation, uh, well, actually, and I know a high, was, a high major coach. No, 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 no. It was a, it's a high major talent evaluator. I'm going to say his name right here. He just starts texting me out of nowhere on Saturday, I guess. Uh, Mr. Brian Snow, and he's basically railing against Wichita State. He's always hated Wichita State, by the way. A few people don't, few people realize that. But anyway, I'm just joking. Um, he's like Wichita State campaign. I'm, I'm just like the committee's going to put him in. They're a regular season champion in a big league, and they won against Houston, and that win is going to carry them in after you know barely losing against Cincinnati. I just I, I don't think they should be in, but I'm telling you they're going to be in, and they're then,
0: the fourth best team in their league.
1: I, hey, listen, that won a schedule induced conference championship. I'm just telling you, I, I'm not surprised by Wichita State's entry into the field. Let me
0: be, yeah, Wichita State is the only team I missed on, and they were my first team out, so I had them right there. But I had him on the wrong side.
1: Yeah. And Louisville does not have a win that can match beating Houston. And I think at the even though Wichita State wasn't the last team in the field, which was Drake, give us time. We're getting there. Uh, I wasn't surprised by that at all. Can we get to some of these seeding discrepancies? Can we just can we pivot right into this thing? Because I got thoughts and I know you got thoughts. Pivot. Okay. Let's just start with let's just start with let's go reverse order. How is Drake the last team in the field? Now I'm not surprised. This first four, I told you on previous podcasts, Drake and Michigan State were going to the first four, and they are. But here's the here's the overall seed r- ranking. Okay, I'm going to take you down from 40 down to down to 50. Okay, Rutgers at 40, Syracuse at 41, Utah State, Michigan State, UCLA, as my dad would say, 45, Wichita State, 46, Oregon State, 47, Georgetown. 48, Drake, 49, Winthrop, 50, UC Santa Barbara, Gauchos. Drake is the last at-large team into the field and was put behind Oregon State in Georgetown. What are we doing? No, that, like Defend I had, we your had committee,
0: Parrish. We had the committee co-chair on um, CBS Sports Network tonight, and I pointed out, I said I got the seed list that was just released and i noticed that drake an at-large candidate forever is behind oregon state and georgetown if we have for the past couple of days identified oregon state and georgetown as teams that have no shot to make the ncaa tournament unless they are bid stealers how do they end up on the seed list higher than an actual at-large candidate like drake and you know what wanted, you want? You want to know how he answered it? I'd love to know. He did not answer. He just <laughs> talked right around it. He said nothing. Like, like, like we we got
1: off the air. I asked him three questions. He answered none of them. It's just, can we have some accountability? Like, it, come on, it's not the worst thing in the world just to directly answer these questions. And the committee, they they put so much. They here's the, here's my take on it. They put so much of their earnest, hardworking time and energy into this that when the bracket comes out. Own up to your decisions and be transparent and clear, and don't worry about insulting another team or whatever. You made your decisions. The proof is in the pudding, in the form of a bracket. At least just sit there and take a few tough questions and be direct about why it happened that way. Like Drake is
0: six and two in the first two quadrants. They do have those two quadrant three losses, but six and two in the first two quadrants. Georgetown is eight and ten in the first two quadrants. Oregon State is seven and nine in the first two quadrants. Georgetown has two quadrant three losses. Oregon State
1: has a quadrant three loss and two quadrant four losses. Those are impossible. Oregon State's got no business on the twelve line. By the way, I actually thought that's one where I was—I didn't like tweet it out or talk about. I thought it was destined uh, for the thirteen with because of those low end losses, and I was wrong.
0: I don't care whether it's twelve or thirteen. I'm just saying it makes no sense whatsoever to call Oregon. Like here's okay—you got committee members popping up on TV, right? They are telling you that Oregon State and Georgetown pushed Louisville out of the bracket. Mm -hmm. They're telling you that they were bid stealers. It's not just Jerry Palm identifying them as bid stealers or Gary Parrish, who got 67 of 68. One better than Jerry Palm, by the way, and it took me 12 minutes. 67 of 68. The committee members are telling you Oregon State and Georgetown pushed Louisville and whoever the next team out was out of the bracket. And then they have those teams above Drake, as which is an at-large team. Like, I hope I'm speaking clearly enough to make sure people understand how, that, how nonsensical that is. I don't get hung up on should have been a three instead of a four. But when you do things that don't make any sense, like having Oregon State and Georgetown ahead of Drake on a seed list, that's the stuff that bothers me.
1: Oh, I get hung up on should have been a a a 3-7-4, and I'm going to get there eventually. But yeah, so just so everyone's clear, Louisville got bumped by virtue of Oregon State, which came after Georgetown's win. So if we didn't have any bid thieves, Colorado State and Louisville would be going to the first four, and you would actually have uh, Michigan State and UCLA in the field proper, but because we had two bid thieves... Sparty and the Bruins will go along with Wichita State and Drake. Uh,
0: how a bid Ste- Steelers end up ahead of Drake, dead leg? I tell don't, me. That. I don't
1: you you tell me with your committee. How'd that happen? How'd that happen? Man, Beavers I asked the co chair. And he didn't answer me. He, he had no answer. Barnhart did say on his teleconference call in regard to Louisville that it was a one in six squad from one record and a small number of wins against the NCAA tournament field uh, that that kind of bumped him out. But, uh, I mean, we can go around circles on this. I, I
0: I love that the Kentucky athletic director
1: oh my God. How about is that? committee chair the
0: year Louisville's the
1: first team out.
0: Like, that? I don't think it has anything to do with of course it except it that it's hilarious. I,
1: exactly. It, exa- exactly. I mean, the fact that this happened like this just. And, and. <laughs> Rick Pitino's in the field. Kentucky and Louisville are not. What? It's so good. It's, it's Dude, like, this is, can you imagine us talking about, like, it's a year to the day that he got hired at Iona. Hey, listen, you did say, I think you said Sweet 16 year one. So you got a shot. Now they got a, they got a tough first round game. But I'm giving you a little credit. Let's, let's see my, what happens in a few days. My, but yeah. my favorite
0: thing about this entire thing is that Rick Pitino is coaching in the NCAA Just. tournament and Kentucky is not in it and Louisville is not in it. That is, that is, like you want to rank favorite things with the bracket? We start my list at number two because there's no debate about number one. Rick Patino being in in year one at Iona. <laughs> in Louisville's out in Kentucky had a losing record. It's hilarious. And you know, oh by
1: me. the way, he did it out of the nine spot in the Mac tournament. Just phenomenal. Um couple other things with this overall seed list. Uh just, you know, a rightful nitpick here. When you send out your official one to sixty eight, make sure it's right. So they initially sent this out and they had VCU ahead of Saint Bonaventure on the back end of the 30s. That makes no sense. Bonnie's won. I, I believe. <laughs> do, do we think Woj got the t- the text the the cell numbers for every single person on the committee and texted them within 10 minutes of that happening? By the way,
0: what what <laughs> Woj was texting me asking for a Bonnie's LSU breakdown. <laughs> He was like, "Do we do we have a shot? Can we? kick Do they play a little wild?" Oh my god! <laughs> no, he's fired
1: up, man. Uh, I actually that that is uh, that is an oil and water matchup. But anyway, so when the like, Bonnie's won the A10 regular season, the A10 tournament, they beat VCU twice, and VCU was ahead of them on the on the one to sixty eight. And I was like, "What are we doing here?" And then they sent out a corrected one. Who's to say whether this the corrected one was the initial one or if they were or someone was like. Guys, they're killing us, and they have every reason to because there's no conceivable reason why VCU should be ahead of St. Bonaventure under any circumstances. They they reordered it, and you got you got Maryland at 36, Bonnie's at 37, Virginia Tech 38, VCU 39. There, so just stuff like that, though, like. Don't open yourself up to some easy, you know, rightful criticism. Get the one to sixty-eight right the very first time. I know they're working through uh, different kind of conditions in this year versus normal years, but, but yeah. Um. Uh, well, like, like, how many people are on a committee? Ten, and it's going to twelve next year. Okay, ten people in a room. Nobody caught that. It's not just I that. Mean, like, it's, like, it's, I, it's people that. It's not. It's just. It's. It's more than just them. But yeah, I know, and they do good work. But I just don't get how you don't catch that.
0: How, how how jeff borzello caught it immediately yeah I,
1: it. I, I i i too i saw it immediately and i could i just i'm like what are we doing you know yeah,
0: like what like like i do the top 25 and one every morning
1: one more morning one more morning Hustle. dead leg yeah. and it's over
0: um and i i, I will not lie Some t- about it it's only about but about twice a year i have to send in and say hey I forgot to switch these teams or I forgot to move this thing. I, I mess up sometimes, but every day in a season and I mess up maybe two times a year, maybe. And I catch it myself. So how do 10 people can't catch VCU being ahead of St. Bonaventure incorrectly? Like, how does nobody go guys? I don't know if you know this, but the Bonnies won the regular season, A-10 title. The Bonnies won the A-10 tournament. It was on, America's most watched network earlier today. The Bonneys went two and one against VCU and the master of ceremonies of eight eight ten media day pre-pandemic has a podcast and we don't want him making fun of us uh, late Sunday night. So let's just make sure we get that fixed real quick. How did nobody catch that?
1: I don't have these answers for you. I, I, w- I would have hoped you would have asked this on CBS Sports Network and gotten a direct answer, but I guess that wasn't going to happen either. So. That was
0: my next question. Then was kind <laughs> of you know, we had to get the like break. We, go.
1: we had we actually had to get the break. We had Rick Pitino waiting on there, Zoom. There we <laughs> go. There we go. We had uh, we had Nate Oates. Uh, first of all, I interviewed Scott Drew on HQ from a Kansas City bar restaurant or whatever. I don't know what was going on, but he Hold was up. Scott Drew's at a bar. He wasn't at. A, he was he was at. I think he was at the team. That's
0: got to be against some. <laughs> no, motor. no, no. Oh no. They told me this is going to be the most safest, most controlled environment. Now Scott Drew's at a bar. No, no. He's, he wasn't in Indianapolis
1: yet. He was at, here's what I think it was. Here's what I think it was. Oh man. I'm going to hear from Huck. About, I'm going to hear from Huck over this, by the way. Um, He was at, I think, the team hotel, which had a restaurant. And so they were getting ready to leave. And uh, he was great to do it. And it was a wonderful interview. But we also had Nate Oates on the team bus. Like, technology is amazing, man. His picture was crystal clear coming through on their ride to the airport, leaving the SEC tournament to go to Indianapolis there. So um, thanks to all the coaches. We got Mark Few earlier in the day and all that good stuff. So that uh, that was really, really good. Here's my beef. Here's my beef. You need to explain to me how your committee puts West Virginia 10 and Oklahoma State 15. OSU has no business being on the four line. Second most quad one wins. I understand why it's where it is. It got swept by TCU, and it's 30th in Ken Palm. Barnhart said that with Oklahoma—and I think Borzello asked him this on the the teleconference. He said there are two quad three losses to TCU— And comparatively weak metrics were the reasons they wound up on the four line. West Virginia's got no business. Oklahoma State won two of the three matches. And by the way, those just happened. And they have more wins, fewer losses, more quad one wins. It's a goof, man. OSU. And they didn't do it. Because of the way the bracketing principles shook out, too. Illinois didn't get any favors. They, They potentially get... Loyola Chicago a top 10 Ken Kenpom team in the second round and then might have to play Kate and then they might have to play Cade Cunningham in the sweet 16. Illinois it got to tell tough end if it gets to the final four it will have earned it but to me West Virginia I mean here's the, here's the 1 to 10 real quick. Gonzaga Baylor Illinois Michigan as expected Bama 5 Ohio State 6 Iowa 7 Houston 8 Arkansas 9 and then West Virginia 10 before you get to Texas Kansas FSU Purdue and OSU. I I don't know. I just think it's a gaff. I don't. I, I'm, it's a hard sell to me putting the Pokes on 15, given their big wins in the past month. Not that recency bias should play a part. It shouldn't. I think on the whole they have a better resume than West Virginia at 10. It's just mind blowing to me.
0: I cannot speak for the selection committee of 10 who somehow had VCU ahead of the Bonnies in Georgetown and Oregon State ahead of Drake on the seed line. Um, I can only speak as Gary Parish, bracketologist, 67 of 68 in 12 minutes and tell you that I had Oklahoma State as a three seed, West Virginia as a four. At what point should I
1: become the committee? Oh. Maybe it's time to talk about that. I mean, I, I, we're gonna fight, all right? Because I'm I'm right there with you, all right? I'll let you be on my committee.
0: I'll let you be on my committee. There
1: we go. Let's let's make this happen, man. I, I, it, 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 they're they're expanding from ten to twelve, and you, I'm gonna I'm gonna shock you right now. It's gonna be they, a, they
0: rent out they rent out an enti- they do a whole hotel and they all fly and they get in, they're all meeting and then they still. I have West Virginia in front of Oklahoma State and Georgetown, Oregon State in front of Drake and VCU in front of St. Bonaventure. And I'm just, like, doing it, like, while I'm trying to order Bear Burger before the selection show starts. I'm just – I'm multitasking by myself, and I, at least I get those things right. I'm not saying I get everything right, but at least I get those obvious things right. I hear you, man. 67 of 68, 12 minutes. <sighs>
1: You know what though? It feels it feels great to be able to to just poke the ribs of the committee again. We needed this. This is this is cathartic for me right now. How about this, by the way? USC, it's the it's on the six line. Colorado's on the five. Okay, and again, it's full body work. I get all this, but USC beat Colorado. I think. Th- I think USC beat Colorado three times. I'm looking it up in real time as we do this because I just everybody I, beat Colorado three times. <laughs> I don't know. They tricked they tricked the computer. Yeah, Colorado they did. did. They 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 beat Colorado three times, and Colorado still ranked higher. I I don't I, just you know whatever USC USC 14th in Ken Palm, and the advanced metrics were supposed to also help with seating. That doesn't line up uh, there at all. But you know USC is is a line too low in my opinion, but. Whatever. So it goes. That's another one. I would say um, seating issues that jumped out to me. Well, I'll let you know. But first, check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Okay, some teams that stuck out to me that had some seeding inconsistencies. Give me your thoughts on these. Loyal on the eight line. Too low. It's disrespectful. got to be, right? But we predicted it. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, no,
0: we, we, we said we said they would be lower than they should and that it would be uh, disrespectful and that it wouldn't just be screwing Loyola Chicago. It would be screwing Loyola Chicago's opponents. So Georgia Tech wins the ACC tournament. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. And then Georgia Tech got to play a team that, according to the metrics, they'll be a significant underdog to them, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, not on a million points, but like. They they have to play a top ten Ken team in the round of 64, and then you're Illinois. You've just run through the Big Ten tournament. You are 14 and one in your past 15, and you got to play a team of that caliber that guards like that in the second round. You don't. When you do this, we talked about it for years. When you do this to a team, and it's usually a mid major, when you don't respect the numbers. And you just say, well, they, don't, they, hadn't, they didn't play as many quad ones. Or quad, and you disregard the numbers or at least minimize them. You don't just screw Loyola Chicago. You screw whoever you put Loyola Chicago against. Uh, Georgia Tech got screwed by that decision, and so did Illinois.
1: Yeah, Georgia Tech's another one I wanted to talk about. A nine? I, I Just, I don't know. Seems low to me. I, I feel like that team deserved better than a nine overall. Uh, do you? Agree? I had Georgia. I had Georgia Tech as an eight. Like whatever you yeah. spit out, I'll tell you where I had them. I had Georgia Tech as an eight. Consistent across the board in the metrics, they were, they were between thirty and thirty-four in every single one of the six team sheet metrics. Now they were three and six in Quad One, undefeated Quad Two, and two five and two in Quad Three. So I I, I thought I wondered if they might get the last seven. Um but I kind of thought they'd be – I actually thought they'd be one of the top two eights, and they weren't another in the nine. And then they get Loyola Chicago. That's that's rough for uh, for thick Josh Pastner there. ACC champion, and they provided – I don't know if you were on set or not. You might not have been able to see it. Maybe you saw it afterward. But just a quick note on Saturday night, um, that was an awesome TV moment. I mean, Jose Alvarado is impossible to – not to root for. There were videos from, I think, Georgia Tech's, you know, uh, program, social media team, some some from the fans. And he's just earnestly, proudly emoting about how I'm a champion. Because the thing is, you know, Josh Pastner was the only, like, high major coach that really, from an early point, believed in him to compete at an ACC level. And he's turned into a, an extremely good college player. And then they had this wonderful postgame moment where Pastner's, First of all, he starts start thinking like everyone that works at ESPN with the, with the freaking face shield on, amazing stuff. And then Alvarado like crashes the interview and starts screaming at Josh Passer "You're a champion, man! You're a champion! You did this!" It was just, it was the it was the highlight of the weekend that wasn't tied to the actual unveiling of the bracket
0: um jose alvarado three-star prospect coming out of high school ranked 170th in the class of 2017 and so um it's a bit of a stretch to say like those guys don't play in the acc there's plenty of three stars in the acc but still to go from being you know a sub 150 prospect to you know the undeniable leader of the acc tournament champs it is a pretty awesome story and for him to celebrate you're right i didn't see it all live but i you know, I, I I saw pieces of it and and was able to go back and, and visit it um, to see him enjoy that moment and to see him. That my favorite moment was he said, "You're a champion, coach." Mm-hmm. Like he looked at his coach and said, "You're a champion," as if to you know make sure Josh understood what they had just done. It, it, it actually, um, you know, I, I I have pretty strong opinions on things and I I think them through um, bef- usually before I share them. And I've sort of thought through every scenario, and so I don't get moved off of them too much. That was a moment that made me go, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. Because on one of our previous podcasts, perhaps the previous podcast, I said, listen, Duke just got COVID issues. Virginia got COVID issues. You only got three teams left in your ACC tournament, and they're all three in the bracket. It's Florida State, North Carolina, Georgia Tech. Call it a day, go to Indianapolis, stop playing. You have nothing to gain and everything to lose. And I still think in a vacuum that makes sense from a be as careful as you can and don't screw up your NCAA tournament perspective. But the other side of it is you missed that moment. And that moment clearly mattered to Jose Alvarado, clearly mattered to Josh Pastor. And so I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge that, Um, you know, maybe it was good to keep playing. If only because it created that moment and that memory that those people will have forever.
1: That's an eight, nine matchup in the Midwest. Loyola Chicago versus Georgia tech winner will most likely play Illinois, which gets the Drexel dragons there. A couple other seedings that I was just a little curious on. Um, Clemson as a seven. uh, I I guess, I don't know. That might be the, the most random game Clemson versus Rutgers. You know, they, uh, Clemson is a weird team. Sixteen and seven has beaten Alabama, beaten Florida State, uh, beat Louisville, North Carolina, Syracuse, uh, beat Purdue. I, I thought it might be one slot higher. Again, I'm picking this just a little bit, but that one stood out to me. LSU on the eight line. I was just surprised by. I guess I don't know. I I, I expected them to be a little bit higher, uh, and they would have been had they won. But they land on the eight line, and then I
0: I had um I had Clemson as a nine.
1: You did okay. You had them. You had them lower. Okay. I okay. Where do you think they should be? I thought they might be on the sixth line, given the strength of their high end wins. For the same reason why Michigan State got in the field, because they've beaten Purdue, Maryland. This is Clemson. This is who Clemson beat: Purdue, Maryland, Alabama, Florida State, Louisville, North Carolina, Syracuse, Georgia Tech. I just they did have seven losses, but the losses are all good except for the last one to Miami, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Georgia Tech, FSU. Duke at Duke, uh, and then Syracuse at Syracuse. So I just thought they would be – I thought they'd be a six. But, again, they I, to me, Clemson just wound up being one of those teams where beauty might be in the eye of the beholder, and I thought they might have been one uh, line higher. You had them two lines lower. And then the f- team that is kind of – I don't know, just there. I don't know if I have an issue with its seed. I just don't think it's as, it's as good as its seed, and that's the Florida Gators, 37th in Ken Palm. They're on the seven line. Best wins this season – home versus LSU, home versus Tennessee, you know, at West Virginia, which is a good one, but there's really not much else there. Um, They played 23 games. I just, you know, we get to this this portion of the bracket, GP – and I don't know, when, I, when I'm when i looking at a lot of teams on the 6, 7, eight, like I like Loyola, but then I look around and I'm like, okay, North Carolina's been inconsistent, Wisconsin, okay, Oklahoma's been sliding as of late. Missouri is as bipolar as maybe any team. There's just a lot of teams in this in this realm here where um, I'm just not seeing a lot of good potential for any of these teams to be able to roll off two wins and pull off a big upset in the second round. Hey, I could be wrong on this, but, well, you know, that's well, my opinion. In, in that range, you know,
0: you know, we talked on a previous podcast about how you're almost better off being a 10 seed or an 11 seed than a than a eight or a nine if your goal is to get to the second round of the I mean to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament because you avoid running into a one. And so, if you start looking at these teams that could possibly run into a one seed, I do think it gets a little scary. You've got an eight nine game between the Oklahoma and Missouri. Both of those teams have won big games this season. Like, they've also lost some because, mm-hmm. you know, that's how they end up in the 8-9. But both of those teams have shown the ability to beat high-level teams. Missouri, of course, owns a win over Illinois. You've got LSU and St. Bonaventure. You know, LSU just played a two-seed to the buzzer, so they could be scary. They've got they've got real players. You've got Loyola, Chicago, Georgia Tech. So there's a high-level kin team and the team, ACC tournament champions that are you know, one of them is going to run into a one seat in the second round. And then you've got North Carolina, Wisconsin. I don't take Wisconsin as a real threat, but North Carolina still, you look across hmm. and there's still North Carolina with Roy Williams and, you know, a bunch of, you know, five-star guys. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I'm predicting all of the ones to get to the sweet 16, but there's some possible interesting matchups there that could get problematic. You got to remember, we ain't playing a seven-game series. It's a 40-minute game
1: or unless it's 45 but i got you i almost took lsu over michigan we had to submit a bracket sunday night i have the right to reserve these picks so please do not go hunting for them yet because i'm going to really think through it on monday but and i it's you know it's just it's just an exercise in self-loathing with one of our editors that has to upload it to the site and i do it over the phone and so I, i talk it out in real time and i'm just like i'm I'm dropping curse words left and right. Just there's just no reason for it. But I almost took I almost took LSU over Michigan. I didn't, but I came close. I almost I almost went there. So I do hear you on that. But like the eight nines are are good, but a lot of the sixes, a lot of the sevens, tens and elevens. Eh, even you know I don't know even some of these fives, man. And we'll get to those you know specific matchups once we get to our four region by region breakdowns. Uh, by the way, if you're curious, here are the highest ranked teams in Ken Palm that did not get into the field. Do you know them? I want, I want to trivia time you, but I feel like you know it. I feel like it's not a legit trivia time.
0: I don't know them okay. off the top of my head, trivia but, time. but I'll guess.
1: Highest ranked Ken Palm team not in the field is? Duke. There we go. Yeah, he he's all on it. Number two, take a guess. This one's tougher. I don't think you'll get it. St. Louis, Penn State. St. Louis oh, is even, yeah. I knew that one. Yeah, they've been a weird one. Uh, they've been sub five hundred, but uh, Predictive Metrics have said they they're like a top forty team all season long. Duke thirty three, Penn State thirty five.
0: I know Memphis is in there. Thirty
1: eight is Memphis. Thirty eight is Memphis. Forty three, Arizona not eligible, and then the Indiana Hoosiers at forty six. Those are the top five Ken Palm teams. I think.
0: I think St. Louis is right after that. Uh,
1: I think you. I think you are. I think you are correct on that. Um, so overall. Uh, it's it's a, it's an enticing looking bracket um oh by the way oh i got something uh i got something tied to you and me and the podcast that we need to get to but first a reminder if you need help filling out your bracket CBS Sports HQ has you covered and i mean covered people i'm going to be all over this network The entire week, particularly on Monday, please come stop in. GP and I actually will have a special uh, bracket uh, Zoom deal going on at 5 p.m. on CBS Sports HQ, which we told you about. And thank you to everyone who registered. But on CBS Sports HQ, we're going to have nonstop coverage of every game from every region of the NCAA tournament. Leave it to the experts this year, like Parrish, like myself. We know you might be a little bit rusty after two years away, so you can stream CBS Sports HQ all week long. I'm talking your phone, smart TV, any device, you can make it happen, and it's a ton of fun. Okay, did you see what Michigan State did? I, the tweet. Yeah. Did you see the tweet? It,
0: yeah. Is am I is my voice in there?
1: Oh <laughs> well, why don't we uh why don't we play this thing and let the let the people hear what Michigan State? This is what Michigan State dropped on. I don't know. This was nine percent. So it was about an uh, hour after Selection Sunday. Here we go. Michigan State has a 2.9 percent chance of making the NCAA tournament. That's yeah,
0: Michigan defense. State has Iowa coming up, Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan. It's an absolute gauntlet, and the way they've been playing, they're probably going to lose them all. Now, Michigan State—they've created an opportunity for themselves. Will Michigan State make the 2021
1: NCAA tournament? <laughs> Michigan State, as Tom Izzo appears in his 23rd straight NCAA tournament. Okay, nicely played. They could have been – they actually had a couple of uh, a couple of tweets from back in January and February about people basically bearing MSU back then. They could have gone even harder, but I I saw it come up in my feed. Someone tagged me, and I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And then it actually wasn't bad. I was reading empirical data. That was via Bart Torvik, by the way. And MSU, it's back in. I'm not surprised it's in. Not surprised it's in the first four. Um but to whomever was behind that, my credit to you, and you could have been much rougher on on me and GP in addition to, I, th- I think there might have been another podcast host in there, but I'm not quite sure who that was.
0: All right, before we get to final four picks, I, I do want to uh, spend a few minutes on the situations connected to Virginia and Kansas. Those are two uh, two teams that are in the bracket that both had to be removed from their conference tournaments because of COVID issues within the program. Um, Virginia is now saying that it believes the the majority of its team will come out of quarantine on Thursday and Kansas believes it's also going to be able to play, but it doesn't expect to take every player with it. What more do we know about those situations, Virginia, Kansas?
1: Okay. So I actually heard from Bill Self on Sunday night and, uh, he was saying, uh, you know, it's a hard but fair draw for us, and, you know, we think we're going to be able to, to have most of our roster there. He did speak on on ESPN, and he did have a conference call. Virginia's a little more complicated. We'll get Kansas out of the way first. Um, as I understand it, Kansas is going to travel to Indianapolis on Monday, but it's not going to bring the unidentified player that tested positive that caused this issue to leave the Big 12 tournament. By the way, that that has happened since we last podcasted, by the way, and... Thank you for not texting me, being like, "Let's ha- let's do an emergency podcast," because I was in.
0: I just I, couldn't.
1: I we were in no, we were in no shape to do it. We did hit get some messages, but uh, yeah, the Virginia thing happened, and then like that was just I can't believe and believe how long it's been since that happened. By the way, anyway, um, Kansas is gonna leave on Monday. The player who test positive is not going to go. In addition to, they left behind uh, two players who are also not going to be able to travel with the team when it travels on Monday. One of them being David McCormick, uh, who's obviously a very a very significant player there, in addition to Tristan uh, Ennaruna. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, so because of that, Kansas is either going to bring everyone else, or if there's one or two that are kind of still stuck in contact, tracing isolation, they're not going to go. But Kansas is going to play. Its game is scheduled for Saturday at 1.15, by the way. So the NCAA, and probably in conjunction with a little bit to the extent the, the TV network said, listen, here's the deal with these teams. Um, you know, when we, when we bracket this thing, we're going to put them on this side of the, the, the bracket because, remember, it's going to be one, one day is, I think Friday is the, the right side, and then Saturday is the left side. I think is how it works. And so they get the benefit of that. So Kansas, apparently they, they feel like they're good to go, but having said that, they're going to continue to test, and we'll see. Virginia is the trickier one. So Tony Bennett got on a media Zoom call on Sunday night, and he said, we are leaving for Indianapolis. The plan is on Friday. Ever, almost the entire roster is currently in contact tracing quarantine. This is a fascinating situation to me, Parrish, because what's happened here is they've, they still only have one positive on the roster, and I, and I was told that player played in the win over Syracuse everyone else though because of the connectson chips then I did a whole deal in the in the court report about that it basically put everyone in contact tracing because the 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 devilish thing about it is in the timeout huddles, you spend more than 15 combined minutes with your teammates because you're crouched around in a huddle, and that's how contact tracing kicks in. It's really the only thing that could force a team to go into um, an elimination for COVID at the NCAA tournament, so keep that in mind.
0: All right, well, then let me ask you a question. Why would anybody huddle if we know this?
1: Exactly. I asked Gavit this, Dan Gavitt this specifically, and he said, coaches need to get creative with this, and when we get to the NCAA tournament, I think this messaging has been made to the teams and will continue to be made to the teams. that It's like, when you have timeouts... You know, just don't chance it. Like, even if you've got nothing but negative tests, don't find yourself in a situation here where, because the NCAA tournament, there's more TV timeouts, you know, half times You're just around your teammates more than normal. It would probably feel weird in a timeout situation to not be, you know, in that cloister, but they're recommending they don't do it. That's the yeah, one like, thing. Like, yeah, like, you
0: know, here in New York, CBS Broadcast Center, we get tested every other day. Like, we walk in and we get tested. And then we go upstairs, you know, if we're good. And so there's nothing but positive test in the broadcast center. I mean, it's strict. But, like, tonight we were on set, and at one point me and Wally Zerbiak were standing too close to each other. And somebody said, you guys got to space out. I mean, like, it's like, mm-hmm. don't stand that close to each other. And, I, it, it, you know, and it's not, it's not something where I can say, I'm a fully vaccinated man. And that's Wally. That's Wally's and we both tested negative three hours ago. It's just like don't chance it, you know. Like you could, you, if you test positive and we have to contact trace this thing, now, now you just wiped out our whole crew uh, who's hosting inside college basketball. So just don't get close to each other. And I don't understand why you wouldn't take that exact same approach to basketball. Like when you're playing, you're playing, but huddling is not necessary. So don't do it.
1: I hear you. We'll see if teams abide by it, but that messaging has been sent. So with Virginia, here's where we're at as we record this. You know, we have now crossed the midnight hour uh, on the East Coast to, to Monday morning. They are going to continue to test every single day. Everyone that had to go into contact tracing isolation did it on Thursday. You need seven days of consecutive negative tests. So every, if everyone can do this, Virginia will come out of quarantine on Thursday. It will practice Thursday for the first time in eight days. Really more than that, but first competition, you know, basketball activity in eight days if it can do that. And then it will leave Friday. It will land in Indianapolis. It will test on Friday. It will go into quarantine. It will test again on Saturday. And then it will be able to play uh, on Saturday. I think the plan is for Virginia to practice Thursday and early Friday before it leaves because I don't know if it has the chance to practice before its game Saturday night in Indianapolis. The other part of this is this. If you're wondering if we're going to have this replacement team thing happen, Virginia is the team that it would happen to. If we find out tomorrow or we find out Tuesday before 6 p.m. that Virginia has one more positive or three more positives and there's enough positive tests that makes Virginia say, you know what, we're going to lose these important players. We're not going to be comfortable sending a roster of six or seven people when many of them are good. We're just going to say no. You, that's how Louisville would would join the bracket. If that doesn't happen by Tuesday, no one joins. And the quote-unquote worst-case scenario in this is Virginia's fine until about Wednesday at 6 o'clock at night. And then suddenly incubation period does its thing. Six more players pop positive. Virginia's now out of the NCAA tournament. Louisville has missed its window. Ohio would then get the walkover and advance to the second round.
0: I had a coach text me tonight who said, like he was joking. He doesn't wish anything bad on anybody, but he was like, well, "How awesome would it be if Alabama had to be removed from the bracket and Louisville replaces them, and we get Louisville Rick Pitino in the round of sixty-four?
1: Oh gosh, <laughs> wouldn't that be great?" I didn't even think about that one, but yeah, exactly, something to that effect. I, this is, I mean, it's it's wild, GP. I don't, I don't know. It's it's. And by the way, High major coach. By the way, the text. Hi, major. Nice. Um, by the way, like. This is a very, like, competitive disadvantage for Virginia. Like, it could show up. It could just land in Indianapolis and oh, beat Ohio. Right. But like, come on, this is not. No, this is not easy. No. Like,
0: I I, I hate to keep circling back to Rick, but we had Rick Pitino on, on CBS Sports uh, Network tonight, and he was asked about you know their their COVID period, and he said like when we came out of and Travis Ford said the same thing. We talked to him last night. He said you come out of it and your guys haven't done anything for a week they're not in shape anymore. And so Rick said his first practice back, all they did was really stretch. He said because he said he's been around basketball long enough to know, if you guys haven't done anything for a week and then you start trying to practice, you got to get pulled hamstrings and pulled this and it's just it's not do it's dumb. So he said we can't even really practice for a couple of days until we start. He said it took him 5 days to get back in in what he considers shape. Now what Rick considers shape is different than what most coaches do. He is um um famous for like really being you better be in shape if you want to play for or even be around rick patino so perhaps you know his bar is at a different place but either way you know you know when we talked about st louis on a recent podcast billikens went on covid pause came back and immediately took two two quite three losses that cost them a spot in the NCAA tournament i asked travis last night i said when did you know you were in trouble because he said we only practiced four times before we were off. We had 34 days between games. We got out of quarantine. We practiced four times and then we played. And I said, when did you know you were in trouble? He said, the first practice was bad. The second practice was the same. The third practice was worse. And I knew we were in trouble. And so let's swing this back to Virginia. They're going to be in, they're isolated from each other for a week. Mm. They're not practicing. Nope. They're not running. There's only so much you can do in your apartment and now you're going to come out of quarantine on Thursday, travel to Indianapolis on a Friday, get one practice in, and then go play Jason Preston? Like, listen, I'll still pick Virginia to win the game, but it should surprise nobody if they don't because this whole sitting around for a week thing is
1: not ideal. It's not, and I – and, and I, you know, the NCAA probably did the right thing here in that – NCAA and health officials, let's be clear here, that's who helped make this decision, where Virginia and it's – Doctors communicated everything, and the NCAA said, okay. And Bennett actually said this on the Zoom, too. He's like, if this had happened a day later, us playing the tournament might not have been a thing here. Because it's Thursday, and you've got that seven-day window, which, by the way, used to be longer. The CDC guidance changed in the middle of the college basketball season. If it hadn't, Virginia would not be in the NCAA tournament. But The NCAA selection committee and the health officials said, we would rather have a team like Virginia, or any team we deem that has been you know, has the credentials for inclusion, even if that means you're not getting in until Friday, if you can land in time and you meet it, that's what we're going to do. Instead of saying, this might be a long shot, you could have some incubation periods ultimately render you ineligible. And we'd rather say, let's take a team that has no positives. They didn't go for that. They gave Virginia the chance to do it. And it is, it is a wait and see. Nobody can say for sure. No one knows for sure. And the fact that it also is the reigning national champions, like the most recent NCAA tournament was Virginia cutting down the nets there. I just, I find that to be uh, you know, a bit ironic and certainly something to monitor. We're going to have to monitor it basically day by day and see if they can get to uh, get to Friday and be okay.
0: Okay, so this is not the podcast where we're going to go through every matchup or possible matchup and walk you through the round of 32 and walk you through the Sweet 16 and walk you through the Elite Eight. We will do that, and we're going to do them on a regional pods that we will be recording in the spirit of transparency. We're going to record two of them tonight and two of them on Monday, and they will be published at some point in the next 48 hours, I believe. Uh, so we'll get to that on these other regional breakdowns, but um, I do want to get final four picks. It seems like a – reasonable place to conclude this so norlander you told me you did your bracket you also told me you might tear it up Mm -hmm. i don't i i do mine and i get the bracket i fill it out and i send it in and you know i i project the bracket in 12 minutes i actually fill out my bracket in about three and i just i just ride it so i got mine i'm good to go where are you at on final four picks
1: you love riding that bracket don't you i'll ride that bracket you do love riding that bracket okay so yeah, I'm going to give you my final four. I don't think I'm going to change my final four. I have the right to change it, but I can see myself not talking myself into updating my picks. Uh, whatever I do on Monday for the site, that will be it. I, and barring, you know, a Virginia situation then and then who knows, right? So I'll go clockwise from the left, so the West region. Uh, you just can't think the room. Uh, I got Gonzaga coming out. Gonzaga, by the way, I saw Torfic sent along his uh, model. He doesn't even have Gonzaga at 50% to get out of this region, just to give you an idea of how tough it can be. As good as Gonzaga's been, it's not even a 50% chance of getting out, but it is healthy. I think it's high 30s. But yes, of course, I'm going to take Gonzaga there. Uh, Do you want me to go my four, then your four, do you want to each go uh, each corner of the bracket here?
0: We can go. We'll just take each corner of the bracket. I'm with you know. You can't take anybody other than Gonzaga, and I would actually put that low. You know, thirty something percent. You know, what, what do they got to do? Beat a bunch of teams they've already beaten. I'm just, I'm just telling you. That's what, like you you, you um. The, the Iowa's in there. Kansas is in there. They already beat the brains in.
1: I, I, by, by the way, would you be interested in a? I, I just curiosity, and we'll get more into this on the specific one, but. Iowa-Gonzaga rematch, like, I don't know. I'm good with it, but it's not like I don't need to see it again.
0: Yeah, here's the thing. There is not an awesome Gonzaga matchup in that regional because the two seed we've already seen, the three seed we've already seen, and the four seed we've already seen. They've already played everybody. (laughs) How did this happen? I love how we're just discovering this right now. No, I I discovered it earlier. I didn't oh, know it It seems it went. like you just were like,
1: we've seen all these. We've seen these all.
0: It's true why though. Did, why, why? Here's another thing. It's like, why did the selection committee just give Gonzaga rematches all throughout the the West region?
1: It's. I mean, I can't tell you. It's. I don't know. It's. I was surprised by that as well, I guess. I, maybe then, because of the bracketing principles, that's how it was supposed to break down, but I wasn't anticipating that. According to, do- yeah, according to, oh, my mistake, my mistake. I, I misremembered, and I will correct my facts in real time here. He has Gonzaga as a 33.4% chance to win the title. To get to the Final Four, it is 58.4% to come Yeah, out. that makes more sense. That does make more sense, yes.
0: Yeah, so I got Gonzaga, you got Gonzaga. All they got to do is beat a bunch of teams they've already beaten by double digits. <laughs> like, Gonzaga has already beaten its two seed by double digits, it's three seed by double digits and it's four seed by double digits what are we doing
1: in the east i this is i i almost took lsu over michigan i am going to take texas to come out of the east that's the bottom left of your bracket there texas is the three seed longhorns won the big 12 tournament championship and I don't take too much stock in a, in a team winning its league tournament title. I'll have a Final Four team that didn't win its league tournament title. Uh, I want Here's another thing, GP. I want to say going to Indianapolis. They're all in Indianapolis. Like normally in a normal year, you're like, when you're doing shorthand, like I'm going to take this team to go to New Orleans or to go to Atlanta or to go to Indianapolis. Everyone's there. So I'm going to take – they're, they're all there. I'm going to take Texas to, uh, to get through. And so the left side of my bracket, Gonzaga and then Texas. Are you going Michigan or are you going somewhere else?
0: I've been telling you about this team for months. I get so frustrated watching people now on television talk about Alabama's really dangerous because of the style of play. Like, I've been saying that for two months, maybe longer. Alabama top five in defensive efficiency. Alabama top ten in tempo. Alabama going to launch 33s on you. If they make them, you're dead. If they don't, they can still play with you because of the defense. I'm taking Alabama.
1: I love it. I I almost did.
0: I think one thing we also that one thing that also happened since last time we recorded, Michigan lost Isaiah Livers. Yes. Now they are calling it a stress injury, not a stress fracture. They're saying he's out indefinitely, not season ending. So they are being, I don't want to, I think they're being intentionally vague, uh, but perhaps those are all accurate and appropriate descriptions. Either way, I think most people would be surprised if Isaiah Livers plays college basketball again this season. And that means Michigan's just not the same team. They're still good. But, like, he was, I think, second on the team in points, third in rebounds, first in minutes. First in minutes is it's not something that gets referenced most often, but it's very important. It tells you who, who the coach wants on the court. He was first in minutes. So I had said for a while that if Alabama, like, just stayed away from Gonzaga and maybe Baylor – I would I would advance them to the Final Four, and they, they got, in my opinion, the weakest number one seed based on the rosters the one seeds are taking into the NCAA tournament because Isaiah Livers, again, is out indefinitely. So Bama got placed in the spot where I was going to take them. I've got Nate Oates in the Final Four.
1: On the other side, in the Midwest, you've got Illinois as the one. Um, I'm going to take the Illini out of here. They, and again, we will break this down more deeply on that specific Midwest pod, um, but I find it interesting how I feel like Illinois of the four one-seeds actually has the toughest top half of its region there, but the bottom half I think it has the weakest two-seed in Houston, the weakest three-seed in West Virginia, and arguably the weakest sixth seed in Oklahoma State, I will take the Fighting Illini to absolutely earn it on that top half and get to the Final Four.
0: We're on the same page here. I mean, there were two things that I had my mind made up on before the bracket was released. I'm taking Gonzaga to the Final Four, and I'm taking Illinois to the Final Four. They've just been awesome. Again, 14-1 and one past 15. One more Big Ten games than anybody. Big Ten tournament champions. They got two dudes and Io DeSumo, Kofi Coburn. Um, they're, they're playing at a really high level right now. I, I, I think at this moment, the biggest challenger to Gonzaga winning the national title is Illinois.
1: Okay. Last one. South, Baylor as the one, Ohio State the two, Hogs three, Purdue four. Um... I sometimes overthink myself. I don't like to go with like as many as 3-1 seeds into the Final 4. If you had told me that Bama was the 2 in Baylor's region and and flip it and Ohio State goes as the 2 in Michigan's, then I would have I would have had some fun and put Bama as the Final 4 with an upset there. I cannot I can't bring myself to put Ohio State there. Um, I, Arkansas I, I if you want a sleeper, th- this is the sleeper right here. Arkansas coming out of the 3 spot there. But I couldn't do it. I did ride with Baylor. So I have three ones and a three. So I've got Gonzaga as the one, Texas as a three, Illinois as a three, and Baylor as a one. I mean, excuse me, Illinois as a one and Baylor as a one. I was tempted to give Arkansas a shot.
0: I've got Arkansas in the Elite Eight.
1: So do I. Which means they're going
0: to go into the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1996. Ninety nine other schools have been there. Nor- Norland, I don't know if you know this. I did a story. 90- Ninety nine was... other schools have been there.
1: Oh, by the way, you taking my favorite
0: stat and turning it into a story.
1: Dude, you've talked about this thing for four years, five years and not written about it. The statute of limitations was up. I don't know what to tell you, dude. <laughs> I saw Norlander like tweeting his story. I'm like, oh, that's my story. It was yours if you wanted it. It was just sitting there forever. <laughs>
0: I was happy to see you do it. Um, so I, I, I will not – I'm with you. I won't be surprised if Arkansas gets there. That team's been operating at a high level, but I couldn't be disrespectful to the Drew family. I've been ride or die with Baylor all year, so I had to take Baylor to the Final Four. First Final Four since
1: Bill Henderson. <laughs> Don't think I wasn't aware of that when I had to log this earlier tonight. Of course I was aware of it. Of course. Of course. We agree on three of the four, which I kind of was wondering. Scott we Drew's to. trying to become a modern-day Bill Henderson. I think he can do it. Indeed he is. Um, do, we need to, do we need to talk this through to a national champion, or are we going to leave the people wondering?
0: Nah, let's talk it through to a national champion. What's your title game?
1: My title game is, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling a U right now, okay? And that is I'm picking the teams that I think are the best. Gonzaga and Illinois are the best teams right now. So that is my title game. And I have... Illinois, you? I got Gonzaga getting to 31-0, and 0, playing Illinois. Out of nowhere, Luther Head shows up to the joint. They say, sir, you've got to sit 27 rows up, please. He's like, that's cool. Illinois wins it for Luther Head, D. Brown, Darren Williams, Brad Augustine, I can't remember the fifth guy. Champs. Illinois doesn't. That's my pick. And I'm not changing that. That will, I'm going to stick with that. I will not talk myself out of it. I'd love, I'd lo, you know, it'd be great to pick Gonzaga. They do it. Hey, I picked it, whatever. I'm gonna if Illinois Gonzaga played tomorrow, I would take Illinois. So I'm just gonna ride that. Give me the line I to win it all.
0: My championship game is also Gonzaga, Illinois.
1: And it would be awesome. And
0: I will not be surprised if Illinois wins the game because Illinois is terrific. But I can't. Why would I turn away from Gonzaga right now? You had them number not, one
1: a year ago. You're, you, thank you. Thank you. You are the, 60, yes. Only person. Correct. You were the first person to have them number one. I'm here to first give you person. love and credit. It's, I appreciate it. In that. all seriousness, you were the first one to do that. I didn't expect you to, to bail on him now.
0: I had Gonzaga number one in March, 2020, just days after the 2020 NCAA tournament was canceled because of a global pandemic that has killed more than 530,000 Americans. And I said, I'm, I'm going Gonzaga. And they lost Philip Petrushev. And people said, GP, you, you're going to move Baylor there? I said, I'm sticking with Gonzaga. I still think that's going to be the best team in the country. And then the season started, and the Zag started beating everybody who is currently in the West region by double digits. And, and everybody's like, ooh, it looks like Gonzaga might be good. And I was like, I tried to tell you last March. I told you two things last March. Put your mask on, and Gonzaga's going to be great. And some of you morons didn't listen to me on either one of. them.
1: I feel like the mask thing didn't become a thing till like April, but but you're on a roll here. So yeah, just let me t- let me tell my story. Okay. And then
0: Gonzaga went on to the West Coast Conference, and boy, Baylor was just running through the Big Twelve. And people said, "GP, you gotta, it's time to switch it up. Baylor's the best team in the country." And I said, "You know what? You might be right, but I'm not bailing on Gonzaga. They've done nothing but put." but beat everybody in the West region by double digits and then beat West Coast Conference teams by an average of 25 points. And then Baylor took some losses, so people shut up about that. But then it was like, Illinois is clearly the best team in the country. They got more quarter one wins than anybody. When are you going to put Illinois above Gonzaga? And I said, the Zags have done nothing to deserve that. They beat everybody in the West region by double digits, and they beat everybody in the West Coast Conference by an average of twenty-five points. And so, on Selection Sunday, after the Zags are the number one overall C, damn (laughs) year a a, a year after I named them the number one team in the country, I'm supposed to bail right now? How sway? How sway? Not a chance. Not a chance. How sway? Zero percent chance. Zero percent. The Zags will be your first undefeated national champion since Indiana in 1976. And I will be honest. I didn't predict that (laughs) when I put consecutive number one, I didn't think they'd be undefeated, but here we are. And um, I'm going to expect them to close it out. And I do think it will be the best story that this college basketball season could produce an undefeated national champion. Uh, Like for you, uh, you, you know, the national champions all stand out forever. You could just list them off the top of your head. But for most people, they kind of blend together unless it is an iconic basketball team or somebody who did something that is very, very rare. Finishing the whole thing undefeated is obviously rare. That's the way to end this season. Gonzaga cutting nets in Indianapolis.
1: Cannot wait to see how this whole thing goes down. What did we say we, uh, we wrapped this up? And remember... Once you want to get into the nitty gritty, we got plenty more podcasts coming on Monday throughout the week. So you will not miss us for long. We are about to uh, provide you with some March content uh, into your ears the way that you've never experienced it before.
0: I've got to go wash my face before we start recording more.
1: I, I'm, I, I'm cool with that.
0: I didn't take my makeup off. It's running in my be- eyes. No, you, look, you eyes look
1: beautiful.
0: Do <laughs> I look good? Yes. Don't I look good? You do. Yes. My eyes are burning so bad <laughs> right now. For the past 20 minutes, I've had burning eyeballs. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you guys once again for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Norlander. It really is. The worst one I've ever seen. I've been walking around New York City the past few days. Doesn't even look like the same place. My favorite coffee shop that I used to go to every morning, closed. Favorite lunch spot that I used to go to every day, closed. It's kind of sad. Sorry, buddy. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, please go subscribe to the podcast anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, and we will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.